Hello, and welcome to episode number eight of Research VR Podcast, where we dig deeper into virtual reality with cognitive science and economic research. For those of you joining us for the first time, Research VR is a weekly podcast dedicated to breaking down years of virtual reality research into a digestible form and discussing the current economic trends of the industry around the world. In today's episode, we're talking about the most important feature of virtual reality, presence how to define it, achieve it, and never breaking it. Hi, everyone. Um, Hello. Hello. We're joined by the usual cast and crew, Mr. Peter Lekoff. Oh, yes. And Mr. Christoph Izdepski. Hello. This is going to be a great episode. I'm, I'm really excited. Definitely. I mean, you know, we have been doing it already since quite some time. We're getting more and more listeners. And with the feedbacks that we got, you know, we get motivated even more each episode. That's right. And presence is is something that's been heavily researched. And we're coming in here with uh, a wonderful amount of citations, papers, and great advice for achieving it, keeping it, and not breaking it. Exactly. Right. Should we dive right into it, guys? I guess so. Yes. Let's do it. Number one, let's start with definitions. What is presence? A definition of presence, uh, you can define it as the subjective perception of being somewhere. So is that's either being here or being somewhere else using a virtual reality headset. Um, would you guys say that's a good way of defining it? Yes. However, there is a lot of confusion around how to precisely describe presence because if you're just saying being there i have found a lot of sources where they say in the same sentence something that sounds like presence and they use word immersion for that and it gets totally confusing how would you before we move on how would you uh differentiate the difference between presence and immersion i was going to get to that a bit later but let's say it very simply Presence is describing anything that deals with psychology, you know, anything that is subjective. Like you can describe it only by your own words, so to say. It's just you who will feel presence in that way. And immersion is the technology behind it. How is the presence going to be delivered to you? We will talk about immersion a bit later in the next podcast, and there we will describe it in detail. Yes, so let's do a two-part series of this one. We'll concentrate on presence, and the next episode we'll do it on immersion. Yes. And they they tie in really well. So when I was researching the topic of presence, I was very positively surprised by discovering that there is something called International Society for Presence Research. And it turns out that for a lot of years already, there is a serious research going on about the presence itself. And it's not just about virtual reality presence, but it's about telepresence in general. So your presence with your phone, with your iPhone, with your tablet, with your laptop, with the book. Right. And that's kind of a different definition than most people think about it. But nevertheless, it, it does make sense. When you are reading a book, sometimes you actually can get so, I'll hesitate by using the word immersed in it, but like when you do feel immersed in that book, um, you sometimes do feel a bit present in that world. Wouldn't you say that's, that's correct? Yes, I have it a lot of times. I think my neighbor is very annoyed by that because sometimes I have this very funny book and I just laugh very loud <laughs> if she wakes up in the middle of the night. 
Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, there is like a lot of things going on in our mind. If we have, you know, our favorite books that we read, or you know, the favorite songs that we listen to. Sometimes we cry when we watch a movie because we feel for someone who is just basically some pixels on a screen lighting up, right? But we start to feel for them, and um, in in a way, virtual reality adds up to it because suddenly there is no distracting environment anymore. But I guess you could say it's the same principle. That's a part of presence because one of the strongest points that creates the presence is actually storytelling. And uh -huh. what you were just describing sounds totally like a perfect storytelling that provides you empathy yeah. and so on. But let's come back to the presence. The yes. storytelling will come one day as a podcast too, because that's Definitely. a huge topic. So let's look at how this International Society for Presence Research is defining this huge topic. What they are saying is that presence is the fact of failing to acknowledge the role of technology in delivering the experience. When you and completely the, forget that you are wearing a headset with that you're wearing I headphones i would not say completely because then we are just saying there can be zero or one so you're either present or not which is not true so you can have multiple levels not consciously you know thinking about it. yes uh, i think this you know subconsciously you still can you know get rid of cables that are around you or anything like that but yes but there's it's more of a spectrum of like a feeling yeah. here and feeling somewhere else there's it's not either here or there it's you can't actually feel in the middle Where you have one, it's like one foot in a virtual world, one foot not. Yes. So in a nutshell, the presence refers to the subset of human experience in which this misperception of technology involves, at least in a part, the actual role of technology in the experience. Or to be more precise, lack of noticing this technology. Another interesting point about presence is that presence can happen only while you are experiencing experiencing something. It's What do you mean like by you, that? What, what it's do you mean not by like you can be present after you left virtual reality. It's ah. you can be present in that particular experience only while you're experiencing it. Mm. However, so there then, are, there are certain after effects that you can get through feeling present and fully immersed in in a thing yes. that kind of stay with you. Uh, we've discussed them in the past. I'm sure we'll revisit them at some point when we have. Uh, more research to kind of report on that. Recently, we've been seeing uh, depression research kind of being done in that sense for for the after effects of using uh, of using VR. But no, that's definitely a, an entire episode dedicated to that. Um, yes, that we'll get to in, in very near future. Mm -hmm. Before we dive faster further, there are two important defini other definitions that we need to mention here. This international society for presence research also mentioned two phenomenons. One is called first order mediated experience. And sure. this is the experience that you have in the real life when you are experiencing the world, perceiving the world without the technology in between. Uh -huh. So it's your real world experience. And then there is obviously a second order uh -huh. mediated experience, which is the experience that you get through the technology. So that you have, for example, head-mounted display that provides you a virtual environment. Maybe a side question we maybe can't really answer, but some people have a constant feeling that the world around them is, you know, fake. And there is also, I think, this disease, I put it in the show notes, that you think that people around you are substituted by, I don't know, by robots or something like that. There is like this medical condition. Yeah, is that... Are there is there not feeling present in the real world? I mean, is that a yes. is that a thing? That's a thing, and you can actually have also a scale on which you feel present in the real world because 
Let's imagine that you are thinking about your girlfriend or about your crush that is constantly like uh, putting you in the friend zone. Sure. And when you're thinking about her, you can just walk on the street and forget about any, everything around you because you're so deep in your thoughts. You know, you're, you're completely right in that sense that you do a lot of those, uh, the, the natural motions of you walking, you know, subconsciously. That's a, you don't need a high level of cognitive load to achieve that. So you're, that higher level of cognitive load can be dedicated to other things like, like uh, daydreaming about being somewhere else and whatnot. Yes. So in that sense that you actually can be present somewhere else where you're not. Or even let's take this further and talk about cell phones. You know, like you see everyone walking around just looking down at their cell phone. Are they present right here? Or are they pres present in the environment of their, of, you know, of each phone itself? Hmm. So the telepresence definition is actually including that. Right. So if we are talking about presence, presence more in general, not just for virtual reality, but we take any, any experience that is provided through technology, human-made technology, then forgetting yourself and messaging on a phone is also a certain level of presence. Absolutely. That's, that's really impressive. I mean, you, you had this great example of that where people are in a certain way starting to, you know, avoid the cable of the wife, right? Sure, yeah. How does it go? So there's there's been reports actually from a lot of people that have been using the Vive for a long time of standing up doing room scale VR but with one long wire hanging you know from your headset they've actually developed the second sense of having that wire and they can micromanage that wire kind of subconsciously at this point and they don't really have to think about it um, there's actually this one great gif from the video from stress level zero guys. Uh, from uh, that are making the Hover Junkers game. Uh, so he, um, the, I forget the guy's name, but he's the co-founder and he's kind of the host of every all all the videos. So he's standing there and he sees to the periphery to, to his right that there's an enemy. So instead of turning just right actually to shoot at him, where he's kind of like wrangled up in his cable, he flips completely around and shoots and 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 you know he goes the instead of ninety degrees, you know he goes the two six or two eighty degrees around. Um, I mean, you would think that's kind of silly. Why would you want to do that? But that's actually part of just your subconscious doing that kind of directing you to how you should be moving around. And it was a subconscious action because it was such a quick reaction time that you can see in the video. We can link to it like the small little clip. It was, I mean, it was kind of a, an observation that I had when I was watching the video. And they, they talk about this extensively and it's not just them. So I think experience, like we spoke about last time in the, um, uh, in the motion sickness episode where experience actually does affect how you handle motion sickness, which means you can get much better at handling motion sickness through experience. You will get much better at handling presence with the, um, with the presence of the wire actually. Uh, so you'll, you'll actually get over that hump. So we're talking about the levels of presence, right? Zero being present here, uh, one being somewhat, uh, uh, you know, aware of the technology, but you're still present and you have one foot into the next virtual realm and two level two, which is full presence, uh, is being completely there. You can kind of get to the middle part by just experiencing it enough times that you get very good at it. So, mm -hmm. Oh and actually, you, you can get to the maximum level if you experience it often enough, because if you don't have to think about the cable at all, then this easiest way to put you out of the present state, that you're getting yanked by a cable, you know, your head is moved just because you're limited, is getting away, mm. because you're not getting yourself into that situation. There is one important uh, thing about it. I mean, 
if you you know speak to people who are have rather doubts in terms of virtual reality so will it succeed you know you have to have this helmet on your head is it good or not but if you are being able to forget that you have the headset on your head you won't get distracted by it so the argument in terms of you know you have something on your head that is heavy you need to deal with it is kind of obsolete because if you can you know make, make it go away from your consciousness experience conscious experience then okay it's not a problem you can right. have a brick on your head if you don't notice it you but it's notice it. it's easier said than done because you really do need to spend the time to make the ergonomics of yeah. you think to make to get to make that jump you need to help them make that jump so you can make it lighter yes. simpler f- feel better a bigger field of view uh, less screen door you know all, all the things that we've been all been yeah, working sure. on um so there, there's a little bit of both ways like it's you, you give them a little bit of uh, ergonomics and then they can meet you halfway and feel f- fully present okay let's move on to the next part of presence which is dimensions of presence as i mentioned at the beginning there is a huge confusion in the definitions and wording inside the presence studies and when people speak about presence and when game developers speak about presence and so on. So let's clarify a few things. First of all, there are a number of different types of presence that you can have. Let's start from the first one. The one that we all know the best is being in other location. The one that we usually refer to when we think about presence. And it's sometimes described as spatial or physical presence. It could, it's also called perceptual immersion, transportation, or sense of being there. Do you have any comments about that one? I mean, what, what does it mean, actually? Like, how would you refer it to virtual reality? Is it even possible there? The idea is that you just feel that you're in the yeah, other yeah. world. It's that basic idea of presence. Okay, sure. okay. We, we've been talking about it. Yeah. yeah, sure. Then the second one is sensory characteristics of virtual environment corresponding to those of the physical world. Yes. So in a sense, you can call it um, fide- fi- high fidelity. And, mm-hmm. and this ties in with all the um, the proprioceptive uh, cues, right, yes. of, of feeling there. So when you move your arm, there is a corresponding arm in, in the virtual environment that's moving with you. Mm, that, yes. that feels, And it actually doesn't have to be one-to-one, which is really interesting. Stanford's been doing some cool research where if you move yep. your leg a little bit forward yes. and in, in the VE you see like a full the leg coming up as a high kick, you still actually completely feel that that was the motion that you made. Super exactly. interesting. <laughs> The um, same thing with a chair in rotation. You rotate 30 degree on a chair, but if you rotate, you know, more than 80 or 180 degree on the chair, you still don't feel inconsistency. Right. And that's that ties in with redirected walking, where if you just play yeah. with the input that you're getting visually, you can actually get the person to walk in, in some, somewhat of a circle and they think they're walking straight. It's also a very important part when you want to use virtual reality for science or that you want to advance the scientific experiment to the new level, and it's called ecological validity. Yes. So it's oh, how yes. close to the real world is your experiment, not by like the movement that you do, but the whole thing, mm-hmm. the context, the stimulus that you're getting, what you're doing there, why you're doing it there. And, and I mean, if we think about the dimensions, uh, and the one being, you know, the dimension of you know the location, and the other one, you know, more regard to your sensory uh, feelings, you can easily manipulate those in VR compared to you know standard lab rotation, uh, lab situations, right? So you can't really, you know, hit your subject very hard with a lot of objects all the time, but you can kind of, you know, make sure he feels that you know all the time things are flying towards him in VR, for example. That's the next level is. 
social realism, which is basically social characteristic and virtual environment correspond to those of the physical world. So it's not social presence yet. It's just how you, how realistic is your situation from the social perspective, from cultural perspective. So if you go in the middle of the night to the ruins, you don't expect to see a lot of people there unless they are they are are tourists. Mm -hmm. But what is the difference between that and social realism? The difference to the social realism would be that in, in, no, that was a social realism. Yes, but... And then we have social presence. Oh, sure. Which is how you behave and how the characters in the game behave with you. Mm. So that you can, for example, have a conversation with NPC. And that you forget that he is non-player character. That he is just a part of the game. The interesting example here can be that you start talking to Siri or mm-hmm. to Cortana. And mm-hmm. you forget that it's just the software there. Yeah, true. That's that's kind of getting to the level one, you know, in, in terms of the spectrum between zero and two, kind of in yeah. the mm-hmm. middle, where you know they're not really a real person, but you're actually interacting with them, yep. them with the same way. Yes. And but what we're all what we're getting to with these presence dimensions is that the more we're able to just I don't want to say replicate, but less, essentially replicate and augment the same physical and uh, the fa- same physical uh, characteristics that we have, the things that we we do in real life and we can uh, mm-hmm. augment that in virtual reality the more of a presence you can actually um, mm-hmm. predict that they will have yeah. and social is such a big part of that because the way we even move the, the interactions that we have are very much uh, unconsciously based on our on social things like you you move in a certain way that you wanted other people to perceive how you are or you know in, the, in what state of mind that you are you're happy you're sad you're excited all of that really comes out because of this socialness so vr really is not going to be a, a, a lonely experience which it can be but i think the future of it is going to be because of the socialness um i had recently uh, some nice comments on twitter that you know if you're too long alone in alt space or any other social vr you start to feel you know creepy you know well what's happening why is there are no people around so you can expect others to run there and um i think it's not coincidental that apple have so many jokes built in in ziri so if you ask ziri hey cortana what is the time then ziri will ask hey who is cortana who is cortana i don't know cortana are you meeting cortana you know it kind of interacts with you cortana is a search engine for microsoft so in any other jokes they kind of make this thing more livable to you right but on the other hand uh, it can also get very strange when people start to have a you know, a doll they actually live with and they talk with her. I was reading recently an article how someone, you know, bought one of those, you know, huge dolls that look like a person and he actually lives with her, like with a wife, right? He, he mm. takes care of her, he massages her, he, he washes her, you know, he does all the <laughs> stuff that you do with a wife and he is like completely normal in terms of he has friends. He's not completely strange, but he kind of feels like this Interesting. piece of, you know, silicon is his wife. I don't know. Hmm. So it can be very... I mean, those boundaries are definitely going to start to come down. I'd say probably within the next decade or two, like that will probably become a more common thing. And how Mm. we deal with that on a social level, on a a societal level, really is going to determine the the future of our species. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, we're all very, very um, programmed to like like humans and we only interact with humans. But like, we are definitely going to have other things to interact with uh, on a very, small i mean very primal and um and social level and how we deal with that is uh for at first i'm you can all imagine you know people are not going to be happy with it oh people are 
uh, getting falling in love with their computers and their you know cortanas and their hers and whatnot but like mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'd I, love to have a personal assistant that i can be very good friends with and and i know i would love that right okay so guys just wait a little longer <laughs> and look for what ibm in, J- in japan is doing yeah. do you know sword art online anime do uh, yeah. i've heard of sword art yeah and i've seen some yeah things. it's Our audience it's an anime about you know a computer games that someone gets trapped in it's so. not the point right now the point is that the artificial intelligence in this game is so smart that the game itself is expanding so Later on in the story, there is this event when they have a quest. And if five players fail this quest, the whole world in this game is going to change for all the other players. Mm -hmm. So what IBM in Japan is doing is creating this game for us, for gamers, in virtual reality, using Watson. Wow. So that you will be able to do what you just said in virtual reality. Just stay there, interact with those artificial intelligence characters. Yeah, IBM is getting really, uh, I mean, obviously their Watson is kind of their own, their last uh, <laughs> big <laughs> big news that maker that they can be using. And they're really trying to get it integrated into VR. Um, I think they had actually some headlines coming out this week or the, the previous week about, about that. I, I forget the full details of it. Hey, we are straight into other topics. Yes, let's talk let's about presence. Let's come presents. back. I have one more dimension that is totally confusing at first of presence. And it's called psychological immersion. So it's called immersion because here we are thinking about psychology and psychological effects in the same way as if we would think about technology. Because what we are using here is your engagement, your involvement in what you're doing in virtual reality. Mm -hmm. So for example, it's the storytelling would come here. So, you know, how invested in other characters' lives are you? How good is the gamification working for you? You know, for some people, just giving, getting a high score can be already very engaging. And just because of that, they will just think about what they are doing in the game and forget about technology around it. Yeah, and I mean, gamification is a very important feature if you want to make sure that virtual reality is used in industrial applications. Because in a certain way... You can train your employees in a virtual environment only by making sure that it's enjoyable. You know, it actually gives them nice feedback and uh, mm. that allowing also this gamification. Mm. Maybe maybe gamification itself, the, the word isn't the right way to put it because I, I'm kind of hesitant to use that because everything now it's like, oh, let's put achievements in it and it'll it'll tap into your, you know, your reward dopamine system and you'll want to do more of it. Uh, it's not so simple as that. Uh, but no, I, it's not. But if you want to do something and yeah. what you're doing, you know, you get your nice feedback, that's gamification. I mean, you know, if you play Angry Birds and Angry Birds is all over the place, crowded with some kind of fluffy things that appear and say, oh, you did a good job, you wouldn't care about it. But if right. you, know, you kind of really want to measure your performance, you're a sportsman and you train in virtual reality to perform a certain move or augmented reality, and then you see 99%, 99.1% is yes. so happy. That, I mean, that the feedback is huge and that's what we can really get with virtual reality is everything is being tracked everything is quantified that biofeedback that you can get is is i think one of the strongest points about vr um i'll uh, actually small little plug for in terms of like uh, uh dopamine system and creating products that can get you like 
Hooked on what they're doing is actually a cool book called Hooked by Nir Eyal. Hooked uh, as in like kind of a, you know, a twisted hook. Um, it's called How to Build Habit-Forming Products uh, by Nir Eyal again. And it's a great, it's actually a great book for anyone interested in, in, in even non-VR related apps, uh, web apps or whatever. You want to create something that actually keeps the user engaged and coming back. Uh, it talks about, you know, the reward system, how you have a trigger uh, and how they act upon that trigger and uh, the reward or, or, or the feedback that they get from that motivates them to um, crave for that trigger again. It's it's less nefarious and 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 evil as you might think it is. It's actually like it, it ties into kind of Skinner BF Skinner's like behaviorism. Oh yeah, a lot. Um, which cognitive science is really or cognitive psychology has kind of gotten away from a lot. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of UX is kind of really based about behaviorism because. Uh, yeah, you, uh, you can understand, you know, what's going on in a person's head, but it's yeah. about the uh, the stimuli mm-hmm. and the response that you can create. So I, I'd recommend that book a lot to everyone. So yeah, and um, also if you're interested in how to teach a pigeon to dance, uh, check up Skinner's box. You know, you can you can make a pigeon dance. But I mean, w- w- when we're speaking about gamification, maybe before we you know have any gamification in our VR experience, how to build up presence. I was actually going to follow up on the, what we were just talking about mm-hmm. and come back to how to build a presence in a moment. Mm-hmm. So we were right now mentioning a lot of reasons why we would use presence. So let's state this question clearly right now. We are all excited about being present, present in virtual reality experience. But why would we need it beyond just having fun with it? Yeah. So there are three categories which we need to consider. One is for entertainment. A second one is for serious content and serious applications. And the third one is the reasons that are for both. So let's start from both because they are shorter. Yeah. One is that strong emotions and strong involvement and therefore high presence is distracting you from technological limitations. Mm-hmm. You probably, as a developer, when you were showing your content to someone, noticed that people are super happy about playing your game and they don't notice that you were showing it to them on DK2. They yeah. had limited resolution. Yeah. Or that your hand controller would not, was not super precise, but yeah. it was still enough to them. Yeah. Sure. So I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. So we're talking about how to achieve presence and, and to get very high presence. And you talk about interac- um, entertainment uh, and the other, what were the other two? No, we are talking right now about why do we need presence? Right. I, what so benefits? I have a question. It, w- w- do you, can you think of actually of applications or of situations that you actually would not want to achieve high presence, that you would actually want low presence in VR, but that's to no, the benefit of question. the application? Think about it this way. Like what if it's a uh, traumatic or something bad, or even if it's VR journalism, right? And it's something uh, really horrific to watch. You almost don't want to be so fully in it maybe you want you do want to feel a little out of it you know you want to keep that distance between yourselves can we think of actually how like ways to kind of achieve that it's really reverse thinking of but how can we achieve that or i mean how, by basically breaking for, it for what would we achieve that <sighs> just breaking the presence is not that simple because you okay. can break something right. and it doesn't work. Right. But how to break it in a smart way? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's well, it's. In, I think some f- good fuel for thought. Um, maybe even to our listeners, like if you guys have certain suggestions as to like what situations would you think of that you wouldn't want to achieve high presence. Um, 
yeah, let it tweet us, tweet at us at uh, Research VRCast um, on Twitter, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. Self plug. Yes, maybe next time we can come back to that topic. Yeah, let's 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 so starting next podcast of immersion yeah. um, from this. I like it. So okay, so why would we need presence for entertainment? Yeah, exactly. Okay, at first it makes much more fun when you're present in a game, uh-huh. but is that all? No, not sure. Maybe it's also about engagement. Right. I mean, in, in a certain way, when the game is fun, I engage more, right? Yes. But what would be the benefit of that? Here's here's a use case. Uh, live live um, sports or live music, right? People don't really like watching the DVDs of a live yeah. concert because you don't... It's the, the feeling of being at the concert is amazing. So that's yes. why Next VR is t- spending so much time and money and getting funded so well for doing live events like that. Um us have been to a concert and you just cannot compare it to any recording, right? Well, I maybe mean, what if you can? Yeah. What if you can with VR? Well, I mean, with what if VR? It, you, with VR, maybe you can, but not with a DVD. I mean, that, well, no, that's exactly it. Is that yeah. VR is is bridging that gap that DVD could not? Yes. Okay, I have a time point at which we at which we can say, okay, now we have we have arrived at super yes. concerts <laughs> when we can do do a wall of death oh, and virtual reality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to our listeners who maybe not know what a wall of death is, it's when everyone in a concert stands in a circle <laughs> or like two two sides, and then you know the musician says, and now rock and roll, you know, and then everyone is running <laughs> against each other. Just had it a few weeks ago. It's a lot of fun. It's you. You were in one. Oh my god! I've seen the only videos I've seen of these wall of deaths are usually from Germany. So I know something uh, is yeah. happening with these crazy <laughs> Swedish and German and metal bands in China. Yeah, it's yeah. There's some, some cultural some problems right now like because uh, old culture does not get it. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, let's let's get back to talking yes. about presents. For serious content, it's actually much easier to think about the reason for presence because when you are creating a serious content, you usually have a clear goal behind it. It's not just for fun, but you want to train your workers with a certain activity. You want to increase the performance of your students in some topic. Uh, You want to have a medical app that helps, that gives you some therapy option. So now the first thing that virtual reality can provide is this realistic behavior or response or a situation in which you can make a decision so that your simulation or your training is much more realistic so that as a result, you can learn the actual pattern of movements or behavior that you will require in your real life. Mm -hmm. Then second, as I mentioned, we have this big idea of education with virtual reality. And here series of functional applications, right? Yes. So the idea here is that because you have so much more sensory input and so much more interactive input, you will remember it better because you can connect it to more things. So in general, if you enjoy learning, you will learn much more efficiently. If you're immersed in what you're learning yes. and engaged. Yes. I'm, I'm, everyone who is you know, speaking to me about VR is not getting it. I always explain to them... The best example that I can think of is children in school who are bored to death in history lesson, and then you kind of throw them in into this, you know, battlefield of, you know, French Revolution or, you know, the Tea Party uh, three, four hundred years ago. I mean, not the Tea Party party, but, you know, the Tea Party event. Mm. And 
you, you know, they, they will love it. They love computer games. And they actually are designed, children are designed genetically to learn. So, you know, mm. when you put them in an environment where they are bored, you cannot do harm to them. And, you know, putting them into an immersive environment. Gives, you know, just and one of them. the most fundamental parts about child development and learning is observational learning which means yeah. they look by they learn by looking by by seeing yeah. and yeah. what best way to do it is by actually have something in front of them happen and they you know monkey see monkey do they <laughs> exactly <laughs> i honestly love that term we always come back to it and mention it on this podcast yeah. but it's going to be a, a big a big f- uh, factor as to why vr and education are just going to be wonderful together and i i mean think about this new orion thingy from deep motion right where you are in this environment and there is some kind of avatar that teaches you to create those blocks mm-hmm. he's all yes. the time also kind of halfly interacting with this objects and you kind of really easily get what to do right it's a very nice trick from them so leap motion was really smart in the way that they, they included yeah. that kind of uh tutor in there uh, yes. and actually mm-hmm. and it was kind of ca- the capture of it actually was done with a leap motion so you see real hands oh. kind of doing that i mean it lo- it looks like someone was wearing it and nice. just like mm-hmm. using their hands and creating that and then they just uh, recorded that that performance and just put it in the, uh to leap motion so, if that's true that's smart yeah. maybe I mean, they will soon give yeah. a talk on on how they created this demo um, the CTO has been going around and doing some interesting talks lately uh, in uh, whenever the Orion Leap Motion update came out. Um, he actually recently had one at Vision Summit and it's up on it's up online. We can link it here. It's probably one of the most interesting things I've watched and it's about the future of uh, HMDs and where he or and user input and where he sees it going. How is it called? Um, Vision. Vision. Uh, Unity Vision Summit. And ah. um, let me see what the Leap Motion CTO's name is. I believe maybe Dave. Leap yeah, Motion. we'll figure it out. Yeah. So look, look in the show notes, and you'll find yes. it. He, the guy's a brilliant guy. Uh, I really, I mean, he's just really a futurist in the way that he's thinking. And I really do hope that Leap Motion gets picked up by someone. The name is David Holtz. <laughs> Actually, his name yeah. is David Holtz. Um, yeah. So, I mean, after we put anyone, you know, in our immer- immersive present virtual environment and they are fully there, how do you measure? How do you measure presence? Measure, you say. Okay. There are, as usual, three categories in, by which you can measure humans, and it's subjective, physiological, and behavioral. And here, let's talk about behavioral because we have some methods to show you that everybody can implement, mm-hmm. that you don't even need an, another layer of programming sometimes to even measure that. You can just implement a certain queue and then you see how people are behaving yes. from the outside. So let's talk about the first one. The first one is called, called reflex responses. Uh-huh. And so the idea is, it's actually a pretty popular uh, anecdote story. You implement a person, an asylum in front of you that has a baseball bat and he swings it at you. And if you dog in the real life, that means that you're present. Mm-hmm. Fun story. First movies I ever recorded and showed to an audience, this train that comes to the camera, the people in the front row sitting were running out of the cinema. <laughs> yes, so. that, that's and that's a story that keeps coming back for VR because I think yeah. we're, we're very much at that stage. And I don't know if we're going to keep staying at that stage. Yeah. And so it's like... Are we always gonna Are we always gonna duck when we see a someone's batting a swing or swinging a bat at us? I think okay. we probably will. I mean, that's that's the point of presence. But nah, okay, from my own perspective, if the 
game is not getting more and more entertaining. Yeah. I'm just getting used to it. Yes. You know, as a gamer, I will figure out at some point, okay, I don't have to dog. I'm not going to be hit. But if I would have Tesla suit, oh, I think God. I would dog every time. Mm. Tesla suit yeah. meaning this jacket and trousers that have some kind of haptic feedback in them. So that if I would be hit by the bat, I would actually get physical feedback. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do you measure it with different methods? Another one is interaction analysis. This uh -huh. one is one of the more boring ones because it requires quite a lot of effort if you want to analyze it and do statistics on it. Mm -hmm. And that's basically an idea that you make a video or some kind of other recording, or you could have this another layer of programming where you save every move that people are doing and then later on analyze that. The, you so know if what? you have an intern, you don't have to pay, you know. <laughs> There are, it, it does sound boring and it does sound very tedious for a person to sit there and watch like hours of footage, but there's actually uh, tools out there already that are companies that are working on this, on behavioral analysis. One oh. of them is called EaseVR, uh, currently being funded uh, or in, in the incubator uh, Boost VC. Ease, E-A-S-E, VR, or E-A-Z-E, I believe. Uh, oh, no, actually, no, it's with an S, sorry about that. Um, Ease VR and they're doing behavioral analysis and so I mean currently they just have like move uh, location kind of heat map you know where they're moving oh. and also gaze heat map uh, where they're looking nice. and what ob object they're looking at so s simple things like that where you can actually get the the numbers and inf information that you need you know the areas of interest that are being looked at and walked into that's very good information that uh, could be used for all sorts of things so Uh, the tools are being developed. People are seeing the, the benefits of it. And so hopefully we'll, we'll have it all soon. Yes. Another idea is behavioral realism approach. Here the, here the idea is that the more realistic the environment is, the, most, the more realistic the demo, the experience is, the more as in real life I am going to behave. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm just going to dodge the bat in any way. I am going to crouch the same way as if I would do it if I would be behind a stone, for example, or yeah. in front of a table. I will try to dodge under the table. Mm -hmm. So you don't hit it with your head. Yes. Right? And mm -hmm. a good anecdote here is the story from, I think, Alchemy, Alchemy Labs? Sure, yeah, Alchemy. Uh, from yes. people that, may, that are making Job Simulator. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. Ah. They were telling a story that... When you sat on the table? No, when yeah. um, you have a table in virtual reality on which you can cook and cut yeah, things. Yeah. And then people just drop controllers because... Yeah, or exactly. They don't drop it, but they just in virtual reality, yeah. they put it on a table. Yeah. There were a lot of uh, those stories from, uh, you know, exhibitions with mm. the wife because in a certain way, you know, people just said, oh, yes, yeah, there's a table, just put it there. <laughs> yeah. Wrap it, yes. drop it. And then the most exciting oh. way to measure presence yes. is social responses. Whoa. And we, here we have two sets. One is how you behave with other people, like on the gesture level, so to say. So are you trying to hand over something? So let's say in virtual reality, you have a phone and you want to give it to someone. And then in mm -hmm. the real world, even though you don't have body tracking, you still do a hand movement. Yeah. It's, and And you really have to design around that. I mean, uh, that's what Oculus has been doing with their uh, finger tracking technology and their touch is you have these interactions that you usually do. You point to things, you give thumbs up, you throw things to people. And mm -hmm. that's really where motion controllers and, and gesture recognition really comes in. Same with yeah. Leap, actually. They, they have a lot of work done on recognizing gestures like um, oh, spins yes. and whatnot. I mean, they, you know, it's Definitely. fully... Uh, in their API that you can kind of use uh, to 
create interactions around that. But those are very basic things we do and really should be thought about when you're creating something. Mm-hmm. That it's not just button pressing, it's these interactions that you do. And then there is a second level that is more sciency, so to say, because here you're measuring those autonomic responses like facial expressions, like gestures that you're doing, how your body is moving. Are you making an eye contact? Yes. Yeah. What are your vocal cues and so on? And I'm pretty sure that even though it sounds right now very scientific when we speak about any of physiological reactions like, you know, cardiovascular activities so or how fast your heart beats, your emotional experience, you know, how much uh, cortisol, the stress hormone in your saliva you have. Just imagine you're having someone who has PTSD and you try, you know, to calm him down or, you know, heal him with any of those virtual reality medical applications. It's very mm-hmm. important to monitor him. And maybe you kind of don't want to go full immersive in the beginning, so you yeah. know he's not getting stressed out. And maybe you, you kind of want to measure it precisely during it happening. So in a certain way, you actually would like to actually, you know, um, kind of monitor it. And also upon his heart reaction, this is something I've been thinking a long time since we did this experiment where we measured the heart activity uh, where we induced stress how you could actually change the game based on your physiological factors, right? So when your heart beats faster, the game, you know, just is not so hard anymore. Or if, you know, you feel too, you know, too present in a game, game kind of, you know, loses down or actually, you know, that is the sweet spot where this young, uh, you know, innocent child dies because there it will be having the most effect on you, right? Yeah, I absolutely agreed. Um, another another thing to, to talk about in terms of measuring presence uh, I yeah. think uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't discount it for, because it's not as sexy. It, our questionnaires they actually yes. Um, yes. For, for research have been used um, questionnaires to really you know tap into like did did you feel mm-hmm. this did you feel that and and I think if you're running a user testing session right for your company for your development having a t- questionnaire actually is probably one of the simplest ways you can get an idea yes uh, and not the whole picture you, but and yeah. if you want to have a good questionnaire. I will put in show notes a paper from 2004, but don't get discouraged <laughs> because I found there like literally more than 40 questioners, 40 different questioners just for presence. That's right. Summarized nicely with scientific background. And Impressive. I mean, yes. you can also do interviews, right? Well, one of the things that you can you know, just do is, you know, you kind of have someone who interviews a person after he has been there. And may- maybe one thing that is, you know, spinning around measuring presence is basically... If you develop your app, do you have enough resources to test it? Who is going to test it? Like mm-hmm. I think the dream of Chris here is, <laughs> you know, to have some kind of center where he wants to test how well apps, you know, make you present, yeah. immersive and so on. So why would you actually want to do it, Chris? Why First of all, I'm too impatient to wait for the void until <laughs> they come to Europe or I can come to them. Yeah. Second of all, I just think that many people won't either buy their PC or buy head-mounted display, mm. but they will still be hooked up on the idea of virtual reality. You yeah. know, you give them Gear VR, they just want to stay in it. They don't want to give it back to you. Yeah, You need to pay attention so they don't accidentally take it with them. <laughs> you know, on the, on but, the subject of testing... Uh, there actually is currently a company, I think, made of like one or two people, uh, called oh. Fishbowl VR. Yes. Um, and and just in the sense that UserTesting.com does 
uh, testing for whatever website that you have. You can you know get hired or you can become a client, and they have a uh, they crowdsource all their testing. Oh. Fishbowl mm-hmm. acts as the same way. Um, and actually, if you do have a DK two or Vive or whatnot, you can become a tester and yes. help help you know people do their user testing sessions. So. I know everyone that's probably listening to this podcast is somewhat active in the community and it's currently such a collaborative community and we're all trying to figure this out together. So helping mm-hmm. becoming tech subjects for each other's experiences really gives the insight to uh, to developers because it's really hard to gain that outside perspective. Like once you're working yeah. on something for so long, you cannot just put yourself out of that. That's, that's an interesting psychological yeah, phenomenon, but uh, the theory of mind. All right. Well, uh, I think we should wrap it up for today. This has been a really great uh, and insightful podcast. Um, We, I think, this is a great format that we want to stick by, where uh, we pick a great, you know, uh, we pick a subject, we do extensive research on it, we have, uh, we structure it in a good, uh, cohesive and coherent manner, and uh, we discuss what we need to discuss. Um, exactly for all comments concerns and likes and everything you know if you can find us on twitter talk to us there we all have tw- twitters and we're very active as well like um comment actually on the itunes page and uh, or on our website i mean when you are interacting with us it's more fun for you because we can adjust more to your questions comments suggestions and stuff and it's also in a certain way you know more fun for us too that's right and we're always getting we actually the reason why we have this structure now is because of the feedback that we've received so we thank everyone that actually has been sending in feedback um yes thank you very much everyone who's you know trying to help us may make our feed run you know very well or fix small bugs here and there or typos or even suggest topics or guests thank you nima uh for your feedback and christoph thank you for uh laying out the structure of this episode i think oh yes Uh, my pleasure don't forget about the question we had before to the audience. That was why would you have low presence? Yes. Why would yeah. you have low presence? And vote for us wherever you can. Please vote for us on Product Hunt or <laughs> you know iTunes or anything. Just give us ratings and comments. It's not much work and it helps us spread the good good vibes about virtual reality. I agree. So yes, well, that's our, that's your weekly homework. Uh, think about any application. <laughs> Uh, actually, I kind of like that idea of giving homework to yeah. our listeners. At least a little food for thought. That's the last thing yeah. we end with. You know, uh, yeah. here, here we talked all about this, and then for something to think about for the next rest of the week. When what situation would you actually want to create it in virtual reality, but not have it that immersive? Um, yeah, not so immersive. We'll that present, uh, inducing high presence. Excuse me for uh, my <laughs> terrible terminology, Christoph. I know you I have the same problem. It's very hard to distinguish them. <laughs> Researchers are very, very uh, strict about terminologies. Yes. All right, everybody. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Stay present.